Hey guys, I'm Mike, and this is No Limits, the Scott Harvath Podcast. No Chris today, but for a very special reason, he has some amazing news that I will let him announce next week on the podcast, something that took place on April 6th of all days, which, speaking of April 6th, it was a smashing Vince Flynn day from everything that we saw on the coverage, thanks to Atria Mystery Bus and crew. Check out the Vince Flynn Day hashtag on social media, and you will see all the media coverage, the great live casting of the proclamation being read aloud, declaring April 6th, henceforth, Vince Flynn Day in the state of Minnesota. And while we're on it, I know this is the Scott Harvath podcast, but we've got two shout-outs for our listeners of the Mitch Rapp podcast, and they sent us Vince Flynn Day cards. So the first is Stacy, Stacy R. She runs the at Vince Flynn fans account, the Twitter account. She does some great work. Lots of giveaways is extraordinarily generous. She sent us a card, a happy Vince Flynn Day. Now, April 6th, what would have been Vince Flynn's 56th birthday. And she also included some really neat Mitch Rapp bookmarks. And the other shout out for a patron. Speaking of patrons and listener of the podcast, Kevin B. Kevin B. also made his own very colorful Vince Flynn Day card. Really awesome and wrote a great note to us. And on the back has some of the covers of all the Vince Flynn books. So guys, it was a special day. And Chris has some even more special news to share about what happened on that day. He'll let you know next week. But for this week, we are continuing with Scott Harvath and Lions of Lucerne. Before we jump into the episode, let me just remind everybody, we're doing two April giveaways. We have a bunch of autographed Brad Thor books and are going to raffle one off to our patrons. And we are going to give a second one away to the first patron to join us in April, our newest patron. Whoever signs up next, you will get autographed book of your choice from the Scott Harvath series. All right, but for today, we're bringing to you part two of Lions of Lucerne, where Chris and I wrap up the ending of the book. We recap our winners and losers, what we loved and a couple of things we didn't love so much about this book. We chat about the covers, our infamous judge a cover by the book section, and lastly, at the very end, stick around for our final ratings. In this episode, we roll out our new Thriller Pod scorecard, the rating system. Thanks to our patron, Daryl, who gave us some input and suggestions. You're going to find our 30-point rating system of how we're going to rate every book that we cover on the podcast moving forward and the categories that we're going to use to rate and rank the books. So go ahead, enjoy this episode. And we'll be bringing Path of the Assassin to you in the next few weeks at the very beginning of May. So stay tuned, stay subscribed, give us five stars wherever you listen in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Enjoy the episode. All right, so the last thing I wanted to talk about, the ending and then the epilogue. Yeah. What did you think about the ending? So we, we get this you know, roundtable table. At the White House, we find out that 
you know, Lawler goes looking for what's his name, Fawcett and the Senators, and at Fawcett's house, the, the two the two Senators are killed. Fawcett's on the run, and then like they're like, all right, Scott, we feel like you 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 deserve the to know the truth. So they literally just give us the entire plot of the book in the final chapter. Yeah, how did you feel about that technique at the very end? I feel like the action was so good finding the president. I I might have wanted it to end right then and there. I maybe we're too used to the Vince Flynn super super crazy lead up to this final action scene and then boom, you know, cut it hard. Cut it real hard. You found the president. You got him out of the bunker. The teams were there. Over. Instead, we got quite a few lengthy chapters of debrief. This really drawn-out conclusion of we got to fill Scott in on the details after this. So it was okay, but I I prefer to end on the really big action that's connected to the story and not just want to end kind of fizzling out with a bunch of details. The epilogue kind of makes up for that. The epilogue's all right. You know, the president says, is there anything I can do for you? Sure. Scott wants one last thing. Get the guy responsible. So he and some SEALs board the yacht. They find Fawcett. Uh, He gets to corner him. Gets to shoot his finger off. He says that one's for the president. Uh, Hits the blender. Mango juice goes flying or margarita juice flying everywhere. And then he, he takes him out. So, yeah, he gets revenge. It wraps it up. But for some reason, from when the president was released to that epilogue is a is a little bit too much debrief discussion and drawn out kind of let's just fill in some gaps. What did you think about it? Yeah, I, and I think it's going to be interesting to track if this is going to be a technique that Brad uses again or, you know, throughout his books. I can't quite remember, but I almost feel like just let the let the audience we put the pieces together ourselves. And like we could just sort of mm-hmm. know that eventually Brad or eventually Scott was was filled down on everything, right? You know, you could have went from getting the president to then just trying to get Fawcett, and then like you know somehow Scott wants to be the guy that that gets Fawcett, you know, and cut out the entire roundtable scene because I just felt like it was rehashing right. the entire plot over and over again for for the reader, you know, to understand the yeah. whole thing, but we. We knew, we we know, we read it, we were there, so we we were in all the chapters. Um, I, I get where what he was trying to do. He's trying to like fill the character in, uh, you know, like, so that way yeah. we saw Scott understanding like what happened. But I I think it'll be interesting to track to see if this is a technique that stays, and we we get like so, something of a debrief at the end of every novel. But yeah, it was just a, it was different than what I was used to. Yep, good point. Like we've done with Mitra Pod, we like to wrap up with a couple of things. One of those, Chris, I'm going to ask you about your winners and losers of the book. I feel like we've we've really covered this as as we've gone along. So just a quick summary of biggest wins, maybe biggest biggest losses. We got to do the covers, judge a cover by the book, and we've got a new segment for you guys. Hopefully. It's a little more structured than our usual rating, ranking, and review. We're going to do the Thriller Pod scorecard. So get ready for that coming at the end. But first, Chris, what's the biggest winner of this book? 
All right, so the winners for me, it, the, the biggest one, we've talked about it a bunch of times today, it, it's got to be the details, and specifically the details with geography and the places that Brad took me in this book. Like, you know, I, I just want to go. It makes me want to go visit these places. And then just the minutia of detail that, that he, that he, in the, the, you could tell the research that he puts in these things in, into the, the weapons and, you know, how, like you said, how you would save somebody during an avalanche, you know, and what you knew, what you would need to pack, you know, in order to like hike up this mountain. Just like putting all those little nuances in there. Awesome. The second biggest thing for me is it's got to be a winner is, is Scott. Man, we our introduction to Scott, and it's, it's an awesome one. You, you couldn't ask for a better introduction to a main character. I feel like we get a little, we get to learn yes. a little bit more about him than we did for Mitch. He's, he's funny. He likes to crack jokes. I, I like that about him. I like a little bit of levity. Mm-hmm. You know, he has this, this crazy background is had a multitude of jobs. Yeah, I'm just excited to to ride with him for the next uh, 20 books. Let's do it. Absolutely. Dude, I can't agree with you more on those winners. I you could you could start a travel company. You could start <laughs> you could, you could. the No Limits Thriller Travel Company. A- and this book is like it's a tour guide, right? Like Rick Steves could use this book. To go to Switzerland. <laughs> like, is Rick Steve like, uh, who wrote all those books? <laughs> Remember that goofy guy? <laughs> yeah. It's it's almost like if I if I was to travel to Switzerland, I wouldn't buy the Lonely Planet. I would just reread this book and, and go to wherever Scott went, you know? <laughs> I feel like Brad, we got another, you know, business adventure for you. So, you know, we'll we'll take royalties, of course. We'd like to be cut in on the deal, but when we start Brad the, Thor travel blogger. The Brad Thor travel blog and, and travel service i'm not i'm not kidding like you could have a map of everywhere scott went and the things he saw oh this is where he got shot this is where he nearly got shot this is where he stabbed some guy in the chest with a ski and stood him up like oh man yeah like really cool stuff so the details and and then also the nuance of the plot how Everything intertwines from Claudia going after Minor to him buying the wine to Andre Martin hiding the rope, the bloody rope from his wrists under the washer. So there's evidence that he was tied up down there. Oh, the Mormons. We didn't even talk that much. You almost felt like you understood Mormon lifestyle in this little town on the side of a mountain in Utah. And part of that's because the villains were written so well because the groundsmen had to improvise that he was from the church. He was there to pick up farm equipment or something that they're donating. He knew they couldn't use a phone on certain days. And I I almost learned about Mormon culture, (laughs) or or, excuse me, Church of Latter-day Saint culture. Which is brought up as well. (laughs) Which is brought up. They prefer LDS. That's their name, right? Like all these details and nuances, they work to propel the plot. They work to create a setting. They work to buy you into the characters. Almost just is, it's thoughtful. I think if I were going to give a word to describe Brad's approach to this book, his first book ever, it's thoughtful. Just attention to detail. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. 
since I got to give slightly different one, your winner of character was Scott. I'm going to go with Claudia. She's great. She's just a great character to develop the way she can operate with Scott, but then also pushes buttons. I mean, there's this, a couple of back and forth between them where I, w- I was just loving their relationship. You could tell they're falling for each other. They do get a kiss at the end when she's recovering in the wheelchair. Yes. Oh, it was just delightful. I think I have one of their quotes. Let me read this one. Let me find it. I wanted to find a quote that kind of showed how strong she comes onto the page. Here it is. All right. This is after one of the many times she saves his life. And or he says saves her life. I think there's there's a line where they're like, you saved my life twice. I save your life twice. We'll call it even. Quote. Thank you, said Scott. For what? For saving my life. Oh, you mean when I drew the fire of Miner's men and pulled you out of the river? That? Ah, that was nothing. Sorry I didn't have a towel ready when you got out. Scott thought about what a gift she had for pissing him off, while at the same time making him want to laugh out loud. They made quite a pair. I'm I'm shipping it. I'm buying it. I'm shipping them. Like, they do make quite a pair. Instant chemistry between the two of them. Oh, yeah. Then the stories about her grandfather, like, again, thoughtful, great attention to detail. Two other things we we failed to mention about Scott, though. One, which I'm pretty sure this line shows up in, like, every book, but it's the, a cold, like, a after you take a hot shower, you finish with a minute as a cold shower, and it's better than, like, four cups of espresso. Like, for some reason, that yes. line just sticks out in my head every single time. I just I love it. I, I've tried Dude, it myself. And that. It, it works. It works. <laughs> Same here. Because of that line, I, I did it before the wedding. Nice. By the way, if if you haven't heard our last episode of Mitra Pod, uh, there are some shenanigans. You're in for a treat. As Chris and I, we, we we got together and shared some time at our friend's wedding. So it was before the wedding. We had just played golf. We were pre gaming pretty hard. I like I needed to wake up. Like I needed some energy. I was in the shower. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this thing on cold, like Scott Harvath, and boom, I was ready to go. I was ready to crush that bottle of Booker's with you. This is because of my cold shower, the Scott shower, the Scott shower. the The second thing I wanted to bring up that we failed to mention is that he does not like to be poked or pointed oh, at or pointed at. Yeah, no, 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 no. Oh yeah, and that's a, that's a recurring thing throughout this novel and i'm pretty sure it shows up again so just some things to 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 be keen for in the future be very wary of what you're doing with your index finger when you are around one scott harvath be very careful with with those digits maybe that that line of i don't like people pointing at me that might have to work its way into one of my limericks might need some of that it might have made its way into my final my final uh going out pretty so you'll see in a little bit okay okay i'm i'm excited for that one you've got some surprises for me i feel like i'm always surprising you (laughs) all right i I gotta give one more winner though i would be amiss if i didn't bring up this is one of the finest action scenes you can ever read in all of fiction the opening scene on the slopes with the president and the Secret Service detail. Agreed. 
from the minute they're planning about how to wrap up their day and Scott and the president's daughter are bantering all the way up until, you know, Scott wakes up and, and is found and they and they find him. That is just delightful from start to finish. If I remember one thing about my first reading of Lions, it's the skiing scene. It's so, it's so clear. It stands out in the entire series as one of Scott's shining moments. And it's amazing. Yeah. It's it's his first scene. It's incredible. Yeah, I, I got to go one more one or two, and it's kind of on, on the same lines of that. But it's just the plot twists in this book that keep coming, you know? Yeah. We, we get like three or four different plot twists that in any other hands might be a little excessive, might be a little, you know, cliche, but they, they, they were good and yes. they were warranted and they were propulsive. That, that's the main thing. Like they, they were useful yep. to the overarching plot. Not so much the overarching plot of <laughs> trying to, trying to stop, like essentially filibuster a bill. Uh, but you know, for the plot, uh, the main driving force of what Scott's trying to do. Right. Uh, they were useful. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's got to be a winner for me. Of Scott's next move. Sometimes yeah. there are these big oh shit moments just to have a, an oh my God, that happened moment. But in this case, every one of them pushed Claudia and Scott further down the path of what they needed to do to solve the case. Right. Yep. right. Exactly. Well, Chris, what do you say? We've got we've got some covers to talk about. We've also got our scorecard to give our Thriller Pod scorecard final ratings. What do you think we do next? You want to do covers? Yeah, let's do covers. These are good, man. Yeah, let's talk about them because they're going to play a role in our scorecard. In the scorecard. Or let's actually strike that. Why don't you explain the scorecard first? Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So we got to give a shout out to Daryl, one of our patrons. Daryl gave us some suggestions and ideas for shaping up our rating system. You no, know, no, let's let's be honest, Mike. He's <laughs> like, you guys are all over the fucking place with your scoring. You know, have you ever thought of a rubric, like an actual system to how to actually rate these things like intelligent people? Come on. I mean, he might not have said it that way, but that's essentially what it was mean. So and that's the sentiment of many a listener who are, where are these guys getting these numbers from? <laughs> so let, we're going to kick this this season two off right with some standardization. Go. And we're going to post this. So get ready to post your own scores. We'd love to see how they compare. And we hope this gives us more structure as we read through the books to to kind of rank and know where they fall on an actual rubric. So. We've got a total of 30 points up for grabs. So who knows? Will we have a 30 for 30 perfect thriller at some point on No Limits? I don't know, but here's what you got to do to earn those 30 points. Six categories. Each category can get awarded a one through five, five being the best. And the categories are action, the plot, and I'm also going to say the plot can involve pacing. So basically the plot in itself and how it's paced throughout the book. Villains, which, you know, has got to be a balance between the big bad, but also the cast of supporting characters. So the villains as a whole, whether it's one person or a team of people. Buy-in, so that's the fourth category, buy-in, 
both the believability of the plot, how much you can see it actually happening, but also buy-in of how you're bought into the story. You know, while reading, does it does it grip you? Does it get your attention and sustain it? And the fifth category is the cover. We have to judge a cover by the book. So one through five, we'll give a rating to the cover. And I'm kind of excited about this one. We landed on and decided the sixth category is a free space. Each week, Chris and I will come up with one or two categories to throw into that free space, put on a one through five scale. Now, personally, to keep it even, I feel like that free space should always be a perfect five. You know, because yeah, different it should criteria. Be, it, it should be a way to like elevate the book a little bit higher. You know, right, right. It's like a, it's like a bonus five points to shout out a big winner. I just think if we come up with different criteria, we can't rank the books, you know, according to one another. So the free space, those five points, almost like a bonus five points for your biggest winner, something you really liked, and that would round it out for a total of thirty points. All right, all right, all right, Mike. Why don't you give me your action score, dude? Perfect. I, there is not one thing I can nitpick. It's a five out of five. Yeah, it's also it's got to be a five out of five for me. This this be. book has a lot of action. It's an action from the jump to the very end, and it's it's awesome. We barely spoke about Capelbrucka. I know, right? That I know, like the most iconic location in this book, perhaps one of the best shootouts in the book. Scott almost dies. And we didn't even bring it up because there were so many other action scenes to go through. If we had went like if we had done a our original term limits book where we literally broke down every single plot detail, every scene, yeah, we would be on the spot for like seven hours. There, there's so much detail. This book we, we had we had to graze through it, you know. Yeah, jam pack. It's got to be a five. Now here's the thing: sometimes you can jam pack a book and it doesn't work. The pacing is off. Where it's all front loaded or it's back loaded or there's boring parts throughout it. Nope. I gave it a five out of five on, on the plot and the pacing and how it progressed. And one reason I went so high on that, even though I didn't buy the plot, I, I can poke some holes in the plot. I went five largely because of the pacing of the plot and how these action scenes roll right into one another and you get just enough of that connective tissue in between enough of the dialogue in between to really elevate the story but then you're right back to action so i went five on plot all right so i i dinged it a little bit i gave it a four and i guess it's getting a four because of the my buy-in score is is lower you know and the main main reason i dinged it was because there was a couple things where you like Scott just having to luck out, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that he was able to figure out that it was Switzerland in the first place that Andre knew this person who put him in touch with Scott. Claudia is like best friends with his, his longtime friend who, Jackie. you know, he happens to be Jackie who happens to be the hotel, the hostel uh, runner, you know, like just these little like coincidences like that. That's what dinged yeah. it for me. Okay. Um, so m- maybe I'm being unfair. Like I should really, truly just put that into buy-ins. But you know that's th- that's why I gave it a four. No, that's fair. Yep, that's very, very fair. Villains, though, I'm shocked. I want to hear why you dinged it down to a three because I gave it a four, and I could tell you why. But 
What was your ding on the villains? I don't like, you know, Miner was cool. Yeah. And he was probably the coolest villain. We we didn't see a lot of him other than, you know, the the tank down scene and his couple interactions with Claudia and and Scott and then at the very end. I I didn't love the the two senators um and Fawcett and, you know, Shaw. It, they, they, we just didn't spend enough time with any individual villains. And then like the, you know, throwing in this other mercenary team and the groundsmen and like they're supposed mm-hmm. to have this whole backstory. You know, I, I just wanted it to be minor and I wanted it to be, I wanted the, it to be the lions, you know? So that, that's why I gave it a three. It, it was probably the, you know, maybe it should be four, but you know, that's I fair. Dude, I, that's fair. I was gonna go lower because of that. The cast of characters didn't work for me. And, you know, Stormtrooper Syndrome, they can't shoot for shit. I was going <laughs> to go lower on the villains. I-, I gave it the edge to four because I liked Minor so much. Right. No, that's a good that's a good call. I hear you on not spending enough time with some of these guys. But one, I didn't really want to. I liked being sure. in Scott and Claudia's shoes. So I didn't I wasn't thirsting for more of them, so I kind of brushed them off. I was like, oh, "Okay, they're there." But when Miner came in, he stole the show at the lunch scenes where he oh my god, where he ordered dessert for her. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, when he was showing off about the wine, how he was so cocksure that he would sleep with her, just talking to her on the phone and looking up her file and seeing, you know, a snapshot of her in her file. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll sleep with her after we're, we're said and done with this. He fit the persona so well that it allowed her to smack him down. And you loved seeing her or, oh, Scott. When Scott and he, he knows that he, he knows that like Scott is there. He tells like he orders a steak for his American friend. For his American friend. That was pretty cool. He's so pompous about it. You must like steak, don't you? Yeah. So he's playing that game with Scott, but then Scott one-ups him about his cousin. And Scott's, like, talking about his passport and his vacation. He's like, we got you, you fucker. Every time Minor was involved, the characters around him were better because of their one-upsmanship. Minor, I I loved him. So because of him and him alone, I didn't care for the villains, uh, the lions all that much. Didn't care for the senators all that much. But just because of Minor, I went up to a four. Great character. Right. Great right. villain. Fair enough. Fair Would enough. you call him a big bad? Uh, I don't know. I, I think we didn't we didn't spend enough time in his head. Yeah. You know? We didn't have a big bad, I don't think. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Fawcett wasn't around. The senator, maybe Snyder. Maybe Snyder, because he was so influential. But he gets, like, he gets, he just gets ex- shot execution style at the end, you know? It's yeah. kind of like... There's no big bad. I guess Miner is our big bad of, of the story, but, you know. All right, so buy-in. Yeah, what's your buy-in? This is, this is like, whether or not we believe the story, believe the motivations. And I think, like, this is probably our biggest nit to pick with, with the book. It's just, like, this this story is, like, so fucking crazy. And I think, like, what, what I dinged it in plot in terms of, like, these, you know, coincidences and... And then when you think back to like what we we mentioned them before, when you think back to like what why the president got taken in the first place is because of a uh, an energy bill. I, I had to go lowest in this category and give it to. 
just like I just couldn't believe that, that Scott Scott doesn't die. Like I mean, I I know he's the main character, but just like that's a lot of times he he gets shot at. That's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah, I went with a two as well. I'll be honest, I was flirting with a one. Didn't want to <laughs> do it because it's like stepping out, right? It was so good that you can you can forgive so many things. The flaws of this book are so easy to forgive because it reads so well. But if you step back and look at this, why they kidnapped the president, why they went to these lengths just to stall a vote on a fossil fuel clean energy bill. For billions that, of dollars, though, Mike. Ah, oh, dude, it's too much. When you're when someone like a, a faucet is worried about protect, protecting hundreds of millions of dollars, I'm like, don't care because they have a couple hundred million more. Don't care. Like when it's the rich protecting their riches. I honestly don't care all that much. I like the psychopaths. I like the people are crazy because they like chaos. I like the Joker. You know, right. the rich trying to protect their riches is like, I really could care less. So if you step back, the buy-in of the plot didn't do it for me. Didn't work. So that's a two. Two out of five. I feel like this is going to be our lowest category. And for like any novel, like it's probably going to be our lowest category in terms of just this genre in general. I mean... I don't know about that. I, I'm thinking of Black Ice. Like, mm. Black Ice and the way Brad had a handle on geopolitics of the Arctic in the 2020s. Like, holy smokes. Like, y- you get a lot of that, right? So, And some of the action scenes are like, you could see that happening. So, I don't know. I, I, think, I think there are writers like Brad who, who get the buy-in right most of the time. All right. All right. So for my free space, uh, you know, I've, I've said it, this is the fifth time I've said it probably, but I, I gave a five to just his research into geography and how I make, make me want to visit Switzerland now. Like, uh, I, I want to go, I want to go to, I want to go to Park City. I want to go to Utah. I mean, I've been to, no, I've been to, um, Colorado. Yeah. I haven't been to Utah yet. Or I've been to Salt Lake City, but not, I'm in the mountains. Yeah. Gotta, gotta give a five to his, uh, descriptions of, of the geography. Just, astounding absolutely i didn't even mention it i've been to lucerne and a couple yeah a couple of the other small towns that they're in although i went up a different cogwheel railway you know they go up mount pilatus right the other one right outside of the town on the lake that you can go up is mount rigi and so like if you don't have a lot of time you do one or the other and we did mount rigi instead of pilatus but um yeah uh, pretty cool I, i felt like i was back on that trip Oh, when Scott's in the water, it was small details of like how the water flows under the Kapellbrücke, but I specifically remember how fast the current was because they have this like dam where it tries to channel the water together and they have these okay. big iron bars because the water's flowing oh, that so he fast. Get, that he gets like stuck into, yeah. That's the one that he gets stuck around. I can I can remember standing at the edge of the river going, oh shit, that's a fast current. And there are some iron grates over there that will churn you up. And I'm like, I can't imagine someone in that water with how cold it is. And just I remember the sound and the gushing sound of that that river. And it was it was pretty vicious. And to think of Claudia right there throwing in the ring. Yeah. Love the geography. I'm going to use my free space for another five out of five on the humor. Oh, dude, that's a good one. Scott's funny, man. He is hysterical. 
So very funny. That's it. Yeah. All right, we got to do the covers, man. Judge, cover time. judge a cover by the book. In case you're unfamiliar with our cover segment, <laughs> we have a personal vendetta or vendetta or um, obsession. I don't know what you want to call it, Mike, but um, some people might call us neurotic about covers. There we go. Um, yeah. We, we like a good cover. We shed tears over covers. We get excited over covers. I strain my voice yelling, whether that's in anger or in, or in joy. Covers that bring another side out of you and I, Chris. They really do. <laughs> we and can go go really hard on a cover. We can. If we want, we can if do. We, want to. We, we can lean into them. We could pull them apart or we could really celebrate them. Yeah. And I got to say, Brad Thor, this was my hot take at the end of Mitrap Pod. I think his covers overall, they edge out the Vince Flynn covers. So I think we're in for a treat with, with some of these covers coming down the road. Uh, I Whoever he gets to do his covers, they do a very good job. They're and fantastic. I'm going to say, do do we not have a cover C in, in this in this situation? Yeah. We have a cover C, but like, sorry, for people who are, this is your first No Limits pod, we had this running bit about how this one line that Mike just happened to like in the beginning, put it in the C position when, when we post these covers on our social media. And it was just like the most outlandish fucking cover that had nothing Ugh. to do, nothing to do with the plot, nothing to do with the book. Ugh. But I, I don't think we got any of those here. Like, why'd you have to bring that up and ruin a good pod? This is a good I, pod I, session. And here you are uh, sorry, talking sorry, about sorry, cover sorry. C. It, it brings back bad <laughs> memories, I guess. Oh, dude, scars, scars. Yeah, I, so I don't think we have one. Now, I took here my least favorite and put it in the cover C slot. Not to say it's bad. I, I don't even okay. think it's all that bad. So I'm curious. I don't know if this is going to kick off the trend, cover C 2.0. I'm hoping it doesn't. But I took one, and I think the other Brad Thor books they use this style. I think there's a similar style. And I definitely know there's a similar style to D and E for sure. So cover A is always the OG, the original publication, oftentimes the best cover of all of them. Yes. It's the iconic one. Cover B is the most popular reprint, usually. The one that's most commonly sold as a reprint beyond the first edition. Cover C is a piece of crap. And then D and E are usually those like Kindle ones or audiobook ones or the modern right. reprint, like the, the years modern. or a decade or two later reprint, you know, trying to put a modern spin on it, which could be a hit or a miss. There was one that just came out that I texted you. This is, this is jump, jumping the gun. There was one that he just redid. Oh, it wasn't so a big fan of it. it. Wasn't a big fan of it. Oh, what was it, it for? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know how they chose which ones they're reprinting and because like, it, it was like a random one, like back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a, it was like maybe like twelfth in the series, just randomly reprinted. And yeah, sorry guys, it was bad. Can't, can't wait till we get to that one, Chris. That's the example of a cover C right there. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna put our least favorite as the cover C now. That that'll be the running the running go, gag. Correct, correct, correct. Oh, and then F. The F spot usually gets. A European printing, or uh, usually the German spot. You know, there's always a German printing, usually. So that F spot sometimes reserved for an international version. And then if we get other international versions, like we have here, we'll do a second page of them. Oftentimes we discuss those with our 
our patrons in the patron only series, but we also have a series of international covers that we'll post on our socials. All right. So just coming out the gun, the OG is, is, is balling. It's so good. Oh. You got you got a lion. All of them, I think, most of them have a lion. They have to. Um, you have to. B- besides the, uh, even some of the international ones have lions too. I mean, I guess it's in it's in the title. You have to. The cover B, um, has that actual statue from yes. Uh, that's in Lucerne, right? Yep. So, and then all, then the one A, B, C all have the American flag draped around the lion, or in this case, the American flag in the lion's mouth. Cover D is that I'm get, you've been here, so Mike is is that going to be Lucerne? That's Lucerne and the Kapellbrücke. So can, you can imagine, you see in the middle where the tower is, it kind of the bridge curves a little. That's the joint where they were hiding out, so neither of the attackers closing in on them could see them because they were kind of right at that joint around the curve. I remember Claudia Scott shoots out the roof and she climbs through the wooden roof to get into the rafter right, right. when he falls off the side. So. Great choice to put that bridge in Lucerne, smack in the center of the reprint. Yeah, and the the you know the the series that I or the book that I have, which is E, it's the newest one. Yeah. Um, you know, has the line. It's pretty modern. I, I don't mind it. Don't love it as some of the other ones, but I don't mind it. But I'm gonna have to say, probably my favorite is is D or or the or the original one. Like those are both really really cool covers. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm a sucker for nostalgia. So cover A is really pulling at me. That black background. I just love the nothingness, nice. the plain black background, right? And the lion chomping down on the flag. It's nice. The lions hurting America, the symbolism there. Yeah, key point of this book, though, is the geography. And the statue of the lion is a small detail kind of was cool when it got mentioned you know another historical tidbit right 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 right. but did that lion statue have that much centrality to the action not really and a little bit of a stretch that miners guys were called the lions of lucerne that was only dropped once in in the whole book when scott was like now i know why they call them the lions the lions of lucerne so yeah toss up a and d i do like d Pretty cool reprint with the bridge A and D with a really close shout for B. Kind of a cool reprint. You're actually using the real statue. Right. That's cool about it. The other one is just a a picture of a lion that's not the statue referenced in the book where B is the actual lion from Lucerne carved into the stone as a memorial to the guards from the French Revolution who lost their lives. I think that's cool with the flag kind of draped over this lion laying down being slayed i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go b d a okay there it is i like b i like b mine's a d b so we 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 picked the same three and as a whole these covers are amazing so i'm I'm giving them i'm giving them a four yeah i can't i i i want to give it a five but because i haven't we haven't this is our first time doing covers Whereas I, I know I can give a five to the action, you're well justified to give a five to the plot. I, I want to save some room to to make a better cover. You know, maybe, yeah. it's not fair, but it, uh, it's what I'm doing. <laughs> no, no, it is fair. There, there are better ones. 
if you think of covers as a bell curve, this is is just barely on that upper end. I I almost ding this down to a three. Okay, interesting. But then that one that has the bridge because it's a key scene, and the lion because it's in Lucerne. I went with a four. I went with a four on the cover, but I'm going to tell you it's it's not the strongest of covers in in the series. We're in for more. It's only up from okay. here. Like, I I care passionately about this, so like we're we're going. <laughs> this we're going. We're getting better. There's there's room for improvement here. So all right, all right. Yeah. What does it give you? That gives me a twenty three. So all right. I got a twenty five. I went a little higher than you. That's a solid start. It's a solid start. Yep. We're in the mid-20s. I think most books will look to hold in the low 20s, upper teens, and it's going to be really good if it if it cracks that mid to upper 20s. But I think a lot of them are going to hold around. I think, I think the cutoff is 20. What do you say? If you're dropping below a 20, it's probably going to be some issues. But if you're, if you're cracking 22, 23, 24, you're solid. Are we going to have to start putting in some 0.5s here? dude oh man i didn't consider that because if if we were going to do 0.5 i would have pulled out quite a few yeah so me too that's the thing i like i would have given the plot like a 0.5 give the villains a 0.5 i probably would i probably would have dinged the covers down to a 3.5 you know like it's interesting it's a slippery right, slope, though. It's a slippery slope. If we say decimals, we're going to hold fast to, we can only do 0.5s. I'm not messing with no tenths places, 0. 0.7, <laughs> 0.2. Like, we got to hold tight to that 0.5 if we decide to do that. Because I feel like 23 is low. Like, I, 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 this book is amazing. Yeah, I'm a little surprised you came out that low. I think my score, 25, is about right where I would have put it. It's not perfect. It's got its flaws, but... Yeah, 23. You could have made up a point with the villains, but you explained that real well. The buy-in deserves to be lower. No, I think that's its rightful score. I think. Uh, all, right, all right. Well, we'll see where it ends up. We'll see. Hey, we'll see uh... you and me average to a 24. So we'll say that. Yeah, we, we can we can do that. We can average, we can average our average scores, it. and that'll be the, the Mitrap Pod uh, final score. Yeah, the No Limits Thriller Pod scorecard. So this book's a 24 out of 30. You know what I like about the scorecard? We can use it for every Scott Harvath book. But in case you guys missed it at the top, we are going to expand the No Limits brand with a book club. So eventually, as we start branching out, covering some different books in the thriller verse, some of the classics, some new releases, we can carry the scorecard with us. And so we'll have a much more even ranking system, even across series. And maybe for our patrons, Chris, we'll do a little something special. Go back and fill out the scorecard for the Mitch Rat books. So we have a little chit chat about where the Mitch Rat books fall on our new scorecard rating system. What do you think? Uh, that's a good idea. That's a good cool. idea. Yeah, we can um, bring them all into the measure. Give uh, give term limits. It's rightful 10, 10 out of 30. Uh, by 10 out of 30, you, know, you mean... Uh, 28 out of 30 is that correct <laughs> although let's be honest i didn't put it all that high up in my final no list. you didn't put it all that high either so. dude i'm taking some flack for consent to kill Oof. <sighs> uh, that's funny yeah i don't i we might have to revisit consent to kill in our rewind series because ooh, I, I told i told you you'd take some flack i that that's a, that's a hot topic you you 
push that little button there. So I don't know. Maybe a little rebel part of me wanted a wanted to get a rise out of the people. I don't know, but I wasn't feeling it that day. But I promised you, and I promised the folks, we're gonna reread it. That will be the next one in our rewind series. You know, so stay subscribed to No Limits, the Mitch Rap Podcast. Come back here for some more Scott Harvath action. We're going to be jumping into what's book two? What's coming up next on this pod? The Path of the Assassin, baby. All right. We, we jump right back in with Scott. I think it takes him to uh, somewhere with sand. Yeah, it's, so I remember that book. With He's like going off into the desert. Okay. Uh, so I'm excited to, to jump back into that one. Let's do it. Can't wait. Oh, we didn't even we didn't even talk about this, but you did you listen to the audiobook? Yes. I loved it. I liked Armand Schultz. I loved it. I'll have to say, I listened to him read a Vince Flynn novel. I was I was didn't dissatisfied. Like it. Same here. Same here. I also didn't like it when we got like I think there was a couple no- novels where George couldn't do a Vince, so they got yes. like a uh, Brick uh Scott Brick, who, who I like. Right, right. Um, and like, there was another one where, where we didn't have George, but George is just, it, it's maybe it's just because that's, that is, I, I hear Mitch's voice and it's George and here Armand Schultz is Brad, you know, it is, oh, is Scott. It's perfect. Like it's, he is so good. He's very good. I, I questioned Armand. I'll be honest with you. When we heard him on one of the Mitch rap books, I forget which one I'm with you. I wasn't digging him. And you told me, you told me. But wait, it's just because you're not used to him doing rap and you were spot on. I take it all back because he was made for the series. Perfect, Scott. All the characters, Claudia and her accent, just loved all of it. Great job. Knocked out of the park. If you were on the scorecard, five out of five, Armand Schultz. Yeah, there you go. All right, we got to thank our patrons, including our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Dawn, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or using Twitter or Instagram at MitchRapPod. And as always, didn't your mother tell you not to point... I think my new thing is I'm gonna I'm gonna find a Scott Harvath quote that I like the best, like a, like a little little quip. Yeah, I'm gonna throw that into the pod. We need a Scott quote. You're right. You're right. So uh, any ideas? Every, every for single our time new... it's gonna no, it's gonna be a new one every time. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna mix it up. Oh, not a bad yeah. play. Not yeah. a bad play. Because I feel I like, like unlike unlike Mitch Scott, like has these little one liners that are just they stand out more. He has some quips. He definitely has some quips. Ooh. You're raising the you're raising the bar. I like your game. I'm raising the bar. You know, you 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 throw some curveballs at me. I'm throwing them at you. So, ooh, okay, 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 okay. Ooh, here's here's one you could go with from this book. You're now on that list. Have a nice day. He tells Agent Shaw nice yes. for lying about him. I made Sam Harper a promise I would get the people responsible for his death. You're now on that list, Bill. Have a nice day. Boom. <laughs>